friends gathered, let's pray to God, ask him to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, if you don't show up right now, my words in these moments are worthless. But we have faith that you will accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. And we ask you to give us all the blessings, all the fruit of the Spirit. And today we ask you to prune us to be the people that please you and desire this fruit called patience. So work through your word. Teach us once again. Amen. Dear friends, we live in a world of instant gratification. In fact, uh, could you repeat after me, I want it now? Could we just say that together? Let's say it together. I want it now. And it's interesting how many things that are at the, the tips of our fingers here. Like, um, if I am hungry, all I have to do is do this. Siri, call Jimmy John's in Frankfurt. Yes, 
And so I can call, and I, I won't do it now, but, but if I would order my number four with hot peppers, which is the veto, and it's fantastic, it would come here freaky fast. And it really didn't take me much to have that happen, right? Because that's the world we live in. I love online shopping. You know, you used to have to go to a department store, especially when it's something tricky like a lawnmower part, and you, you look up the UPC in a catalog, right? All you do is Google that baby, right? It's yours overnight if you want it. Uh, save about an hour that way. I love Amazon where you can order books. They store all your information. You can click and buy anything you want. You're ready to go. Or, or, or companies that eliminate the wait. Uh, I know we have some fans of Disney here. And, and, and who doesn't love a fast pass? I mean, when, when you can skip everyone else in line, you feel like king, right? That, that's, that's great marketing. That fast pass is golden, right? But not everything is good having things at the tip of your fingers. For example, I looked at my iTunes bill this last month. We spent $17 on a My Little Pony app. And I'm like, I never approved My Little Pony app. I don't like My Little Pony that much. Why did we spend $17 on a My Little Pony app? And I found, and this will be useful today, so if you take nothing else away, here's something useful. Um, you have to turn off, right here, it's called in-app purchases. Turn that baby off. Your kids, they will spend their college, retire, or their college money on jewels for My Little Pony if you have not figured that out, okay? It's a marketing trick, and they're getting us. Never forget a seminary student. He was booking a flight to see his parents uh, somewhere uh, far away, and he didn't look at what currency it was in. He booked it. It was in another currency, and it translated like three times as much for the flight just because it was right there. So no, it's not always good to have everything right here, right now. I think that's especially true because we don't know what it is sometimes to wait. And I won't take a poll here, but I would believe that most of us probably think that waiting is a curse. We dread it. Lines are horrible, right? Well, as we transition into what God wants to speak to us today, the problem of waiting is even more compounded because here is something that I believe is true. Uh, if you're wondering what it's like to follow Jesus, if you're new to Christ, by the way, we're so glad that you're here. But if you're wondering what it's like to follow Jesus, here's an insight for those who've been following for just a little bit time. You ready? God will make you wait. It's a proven fact. It's going to happen. And I'm not sure what your story is. I'm not sure what you're waiting on. Maybe you're 15, you'd like to be 25. Maybe you're single, you'd like to be married. Maybe you don't have a job, you'd like to have a job. Maybe you're broke and you'd like to be less broke. That'd be great. Maybe you're just hungry and you want some food. But this is what I know is true. God will at one time or another make you wait. And if you're a Bible scholar, you, you see this all throughout the Bible. You read the Old Testament. Let's just consider a few Bible stories of people who had to wait. Right away, Adam and Eve had to wait for the one who had crushed the head of the serpent who deceived him. Noah had to wait for the flood. Joseph had to literally wait for his dreams to come true. Moses had to wait for the promised land that he never entered. David had to wait to be king. The nation of Israel had to wait for the promised punishment, the promised deliverance, all the while they were waiting on a promised Messiah. Jesus had to wait to start his earthly ministry till he was age 30. The disciples had to wait to understand his earthly kingdom. We are here still waiting because Jesus, we believe, is going to return. And so I tell you, God will, will, will make you wait. But there's good news. Because in God's economy, what we have learned culturally to think of as a curse or dread is, I believe, one of his greatest tools to bless us. 
Waiting is a tool to bring profound blessing, and that's what I hope you see happens. And in fact, I hope that when we wait in our lives, maybe something will go off in our heads, and we'll start to think of waiting a little bit differently. We'll start to look for God's blessing and change how we think about waiting. That's what I hope the Word of God does for us today. So let's get into it, and let's learn. I've got a big promise for you to, again, change the way we think of waiting. And we're going to take a look at now Abraham's life. Now, you've probably heard of Abraham before. And uh, when Abraham shows up in the biblical narrative, he is promised to have a child. Now, at this time, he's 75 years old. Now, we're accustomed to knowing 75 years old is not a good time to have a baby. Well, it wasn't then either. That, that hadn't changed. It was past the point. Right? But he's at 75 waiting for a baby. And, and let's get into our lesson now uh, to see how it all plays out. We're going to learn from chapter 15 and chapter 21. We'll read it all together. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Abram in a vision. I'm sorry. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. If you're wondering, by the way, if, if he's doubting, if his faith is wandering, you read from the book of Romans that he actually still has faith in God, but he's questioning kind of, how does this all work out? Um, so, so his faith is secure, but he's wondering, how does this all work out? And the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is from your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the sky, count the stars. He's having fun with Abram. If indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed in the Lord and he credited to him his righteousness. Well, later we get the fulfillment. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord waited for Sarah and for what he'd promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore to a son, a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. This is the word. So if you're doing the math, and he was 75 when he got the promise, and he's 100 when he gets the child, that is how many years? 25 years of waiting. Oh my goodness, So it seems a month is too long, right? And Abraham is at the point where he can be on the schmucker's jar and have it's a boy balloon. That's him, all his life waiting, and yet he finally gets it, right? But God was up to something. God was up to something. Wait, 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 receive, because God had a great plan to work in Abram's life, and he works in ours the same way. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We are having a bit of a baby boom here at Amazing Love, and uh, it's a church of twins, at least we're figuring out. And, and uh, again, may God bless all uh, newborns. May God bless all those expecting. Uh, just so happy. And it's natural for us to pin our hopes on the next generation, to want better and bigger things for them. And I want to create kind of a funny hypothetical situation. What if, when children were born, we already started giving them awards? Like, I have a child who's born, and already I give him a, a, a Val Victorian necklace to wear, you know, or, or the, the, the tassels. And I say, in hopes that you will be a Val Victorian, congratulations, you're my little Val Victorian while he's getting his footprints, right? Or what if we handed a tiara, you know, and, and so a girl is born, and, and here's your tiara, you're already Miss America. Or, or what if we said, you know, here's a picture of the Oval Office, because that's just a matter of time. Soon you will be president. You know, and, and that would be pinning extreme hopes on our children, right? Probably not going to do that because, well, that's, that's being very hopeful. I bring this up because that's what God does to Abram. 
This is what I find really interesting. In, in chapter 17 of Genesis, in his story, God shows up and he tells him this. Look at this passage. He says, no longer will be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. <laughs> now, it's interesting. At this time, he's not a father of any nations. <laughs> he doesn't have one son from the, from the wife that he's married to. He's got nothing. And so again, it's kind of like in hopes that it will someday happen. You're Abraham, and he's walking around. I'm father of nations. I don't got any children, but I'm father of the nations. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a dialogue going on here, right? God, I know what you said, uh, but I don't know if you know, I don't have any children. Like my game plan, Lord, because I don't know what yours is, is my servant's going to be it, right? But God then confirms again, no, 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 look at the stars, and that's how many. That's how many, even though he sees nothing right now, and his wife isn't even pregnant. So here's our, our foundation for waiting on the Lord. And this is what we've come to know, and this is a principle we just live by if you're a Christian. It's this, that God's promises, they're not an if, but they are a when. It's going to happen. And that's what we see in the fulfillment. And, and, and what I love, though, is, is, is in verse 2, if you read the end of it, it said, at the very time God had promised. Now, this is something interesting. God's timing is not our own timing. And maybe you've learned that. I'm here to tell you God is never late, and he's never early, even though we might want him to. He's just always right on time. And his time is different, but he shows up, and he keeps his promise. You know, there was a couple that wrestled with God's timing named Mary and Martha. I don't know if you know the story. Mary and Martha lost a, 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 a brother named Lazarus. And when Jesus comes up uh, and finally comes to the house, one of the sisters says, Jesus, if you were here, you know, like a couple days earlier, none of this would happen. Yet we find in the account is that God wasn't late. He had a purpose for this. You see, God is so concerned about where our faith is at that he was going to prove in a powerful way that he was the Savior, that he had power over life and death, and this was no problem for him. So he rose Lazarus, and he refined that faith. But he wasn't late. He was right on time. Another passage that proves that our, our faith is certain in his promises, that they will come true, is from the New Testament. It says this. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You ever say amen to something? Literally, that's what Abraham did here. In verse 6, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and literally it was saying, Amen. God, I don't know how it's going to work. God, you called me Father of many nations, so I'm going to amen it, even though I don't see it. And his faith wasn't misplaced. But dear friends, this little picture of Abraham is just to confirm the larger picture of his promises for us. You see, God, I don't know how much you know about him, has promised to save us. He's promised to make a way to heaven, a, a way of peace with the Father. And this all through Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest fulfillment. So much more than this baby here. Because Jesus, well, he is the serpent crushing. He's the nation blessing. He's the forever reigning. He's of a virgin bearing, Bethlehem appearing, donkey riding. He's the death destroying. He is the one who'd reign forever. He is the Savior, the fulfiller of all of God's promises. The one that we've come to amen this morning. So God is true. So we know this, but I know there's still a problem. I know you're still wrestling. You still haven't told me, Pastor, 
what God is doing while I'm waiting. You want to get into that? This is the meat today. And I loved what God revealed today. I hope he reveals it as clearly as he did to me as he does to you. So I'll try my best here. Are you ready? So to help you reveal it, we're going to talk about the Karate Kid. Yep, serious business. Anyone remember the Karate Kid back in the day? All right, and if you know the Karate Kid, you also know Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi. And when, when Daniel's son is first being trained by Mr. Miyagi, you know he has a lot of menial tasks to do. We all remember wax on, wax off, right? And we all paint the fence. And we all remember again, uh, sand the floor, right? And, and, and there comes a point where Daniel gets so fed up and he's wondering, what Mr. Miyagi are you doing until it all comes together? And I want to show you the clip of when it all comes together. Are you ready? So if you'll bear with me a little bit of the Karate Kid. It will make sense, but we gotta watch first. Are you ready? Okay. You karate training. I'm what? I'm being you slave is what I'm being, man. Now we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days I've been busting my ass. I haven't learned you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as simple. Oh, I'm going home, man. Daniel-san! Daniel-san! What? Come here. Show me sand the floor. I can't move my arm, all right? What are you doing? What are you... Ow! What are you doing? I like to oh, do that. show me. Sand the floor. How did you do that? Shut up! Sand the floor. Stand up. Show me sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Big sucker, sand the floor. Sand the floor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. Wax on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint the fence. Up. Down. Up. Down. Up. Down. Other side, look eye. Always look eye. Show me paint the house, side, side. Lock wrist, side, side. Side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. Yes! 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 Show me paint the fence. Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand of floor. Yes! Yes! 
So was it ever about waxing cars? Well, maybe a little bit for Mr. Miyagi, but in the process, what was he doing? He was teaching Daniel's son karate. Now let's get back to the point. God has us wait, and I told you he's going to make you wait on purpose. And consider what we do when we wait. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm waiting on something, I'm usually praying. I probably pray more than a couple times until it comes, until it's answered. And I ask him to answer. And I don't know about you, but then I search Scripture. And I get into the Word and I say, well, this is a valid expectation to have from God. Is my life aligning with His Word here? And I search out maybe, maybe what is His will and I, and, I, and I search there. And then I trust. And then because it hasn't come, I just trust that, God, you're going to work it out and you have to because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not in control of the future. And so I get in this process that all the while that I'm waiting, I'm praying and I'm searching and I'm trusting. And I'm, and I'm praying some more and I'm searching and I'm trusting and I'm praying. And, and I'm getting the strength that he's really waiting and hoping that I'll get. And what he's teaching me all along, dear friends, is it's really not about what you're waiting for today. And if you would tell me what you're waiting for today, I would tell you it's so small um, compared to what he really wants to do with you. Because what he's doing is this. He's teaching you what it's like to be in a relationship with him. That's what he really wants you to see. In fact, he wants you to know that the end game isn't when that thing shows up. The end game was always and ever him. He wants to be your end game. And he'll make you wait on a lot of stuff. And if he answers one, he'll just bring another thing for you to wait on so you can learn that in the process, it was never about waxing off and waxing on. It was always, always, always that you would know him and his goodness. You look at verse 2. And what did it say? It said, excuse me, verse 1, he said to Abram, don't be afraid for I am your shield and I am your great reward. In other words, you're waiting on a son and I know you're going to bring that up, Abram, because I know everything. If you would learn that you have everything you need in me, you're, you're complete. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. I'm here to tell you you came in with so many desires and hopes and, and prayers that you thought answered. Do you know you stand complete right now? You have everything you need because God is in this place because there's no one greater than Him. There's no a greater love than Him. There's no greater provider than Him. There's no greater answerer than Him right now. In fact, we know that in Abram's life. You remember what happened when he had the son? Uh, a few chapters later in the account, what does God ask him to do? He asked him to give him up. As if he was asking again, have you learned the lesson, Abram? I know you got the son now, and I know you're the father of many nations, but have you learned that, that it was me all along? You're still willing to see that I'm your great reward? That's God in our life. In fact, the reason this hit me so much is because we get so wrapped up in the world and whatever we're waiting on, but if we realize that he's here with us and he's now, we're no longer waiting, are we? If our desire is truly for the Lord above all, we're here, baby. I don't know what's going to happen in your life, but I can tell you there's nothing more you need. I don't know what's going to happen in the next season, but I can tell you it's going to work out all right. Because the one thing you need, you already have. And he showed up today. As a caveat, as a, a tangent, I have now also found a way to spiritual instant gratification, which is great for me. I love instant gratification. So you want it? Desire the Lord and wait no more. 
I'm here to encourage you, put whatever your thoughts are and what you're waiting for on the shelf for a little bit and just be so absorbed in who God is and what he can do for you. And, and, and we're there, baby. Welcome. Welcome to the final destination. And I love God's promises. God says when our desire is for him, he's going to fulfill it. Uh, I love what it says here. It says, he's talking about parents who know how to give good things to the children. He says, and now how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, which gives us eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, to those who ask him? Our God loves us so much. By grace, he'll make us wait so that we can finally find him. But if you're like me, I still struggle waiting sometimes and I don't know it. In fact, have you ever been tempted to use God as a means to your own end? God is in your life basically to make things work out. Or maybe we get to a point where we have doubted if he's going to show up, if he's there, or if he can really work good in a situation. Or maybe we just wander away from him because our true desire is not always for him. It's for something in this world. God at those moments should really give up on me. And truth be told, he should give up on all of us. But he doesn't. He's faithful. He'll get you in another circumstance where you have to go back to praying. <laughs> and you have to go back to searching. You have to go back to trusting. And, and, and when that one leaves, he'll put you in another circumstance where you have to go back to praying and searching and trusting. And he does that by grace. So as the Holy Spirit works through his words, then you can have the eyes to see the beauty of Jesus who has forgiven us, who loves us completely, and who more than anyone wants us to know how great is that love. He is here and he is now. And so may we wait. and May we wax on and wax off because God is finally teaching us how good he is and what a relationship with him can be like. But this fruit of the Spirit goes on. Talked about waiting for on God. Now let's talk about waiting with other people. How can we be like God, basically, if God is in our life and extend this to others? And for this, I want to know, have you ever been really fed up with someone? And if they're sitting next to you, just look forward. Okay. I don't know about you. I don't always get fed up with people, but sometimes I get fed up with things. And for me, uh, having this past week, uh, automated answering machines. Anyone get fed up with automated answering, please? Am I alone? I mean, so I, I won't tell you who I called in. I'll keep that anonymous. But it took me six minutes to talk to someone and about 15 prompts. And that felt in automated time like an hour and 100 prompts, right? And I don't know about you, but then I over-enunciate Dustin Bloomer. Yes. Because I'd rather do them th that than repeat. And you wonder what other people are thinking while you do that because you have to do this and 15 prompts later, you still have to go back and do it again. And they ask you, oh, for all the information you just gave the automated system. And then you get to the person and if it's like me, they put you on hold anyway. And I'm like, I don't care. You can do your work. If it takes you half an hour, just stay on the line. Please. Waited this long. Right? Now luckily I didn't go off. I held it all together. I know it wasn't their fault. I did say if you didn't have the automated answering machine, it'd be better, but um, I, I didn't go off. But we know what it's like to go off and to get fed up. In fact, if you've ever had someone go off on you or you went off on them, it's a memorable experience. And it's a natural occurrence. And, and what I see is that God, from his vantage point, has every right to go off basically all the time. Consider God's vantage point. God has made it clear what we are to do. I mean, the Ten Commandments are not hidden, right? They're pretty clear. And there's not a lot of wiggle room. 
And so God, who's made it abundantly clear what to do, he just sees people all the time not doing it. Or consider God's forgiveness. We, we come to him often and we say, God, forgive me for this and uh, help me to do not do that. And then how much time does it take to do that thing again? And if we were logical people, we would logically say, okay, you've used up my patience. I'm going to go off now and I have every right. In fact, that was the story of Abraham and Sarah. Um, Sarah, you might know her story. When, when God comes to their tent and says, you're going to have a child, she starts laughing. And this wasn't a good laugh. God calls her on it, says, you laughed at me because you didn't believe, and she denies it. So there she has every right to, you know, to, to really get what's coming to her, right? That's you and I. And yet, and yet, God is characterized by patience. One of the Psalms I love says, God is compassionate and he's slow to anger. You see, Jesus won that patience for us once for all. And whenever we come and, and cling to the cross, there's always a reservoir of forgiveness for every idiot thing I've ever done. Forgiveness, forgiveness. And it's when I live in that. It's when I say, today I stand complete before my Heavenly Father, and that's all that matters. Today I stand washed clean. Today I have everything because I have God by my side. It's then that this fruit can really be displayed in my life. It's then when people come to me and say, you know what, I'm sorry, you know, I, I said this about you. I can say, well, you don't know the half. How I disrepresented my God and yet he's forgiven me. It's then when people take us for granted. We can turn and say, well, you don't know how many times I've wandered away, walked away, and yet God still calls me his child and welcomes me back. It's all right. It's the love of God that produces this love in us. When we keep our eyes on the cross, what have people really done to us that we haven't done to God? And so if at the center of waiting on God is hope, the center of waiting with people is a readiness to forgive, knowing and living in your forgiveness. If you find yourself not patient with people, it may just be that you haven't washed over your own forgiveness in your life. It may be that you haven't understood the cross yourself today. So let us as children of God live in that.